0: The strongest way to stay motivated and to stay connected is with what the cause is. It is essentially that um, to ensure that you know your why is always, always the biggest, biggest driver. It's important to point out, I think, for me to say here that, you know, I'm, I'm not unique or exceptionally driven than any other individual. I've had moments in the past where I've struggled to to remain motivated, especially when you're going through hard times. Um, but, you know, I've managed to, to redesign my life and my career into one that serves me without being anything exceptional, into one where, you know, happiness is now prioritized.
1: Welcome to the Payroll Podcast with your host, Nick Day. Find out what it takes to truly discover what it takes to elevate your career within payroll as we meet with the industry leaders who are shaping the industry for tomorrow.
2: Hello and welcome to the Payroll Podcast, a special episode today in light of the current crisis we are all experiencing at the minute in relation to COVID-19. I am welcoming Jazz to the show, who's going to tell us all about how we can navigate these choppy waters really to make sure we stay positive, to make sure that we are able to really make the most of the situation we are in at the minute. So rather than me give you those answers, I've got an expert right next to me right now who I'd love to chat to in more detail. So I'm going to kick straight off. Tell us a little bit about your background jazz and why in particular you like to work with professionals at the moment. And I'll just caveat this slightly with the fact that most of my audience are payroll professionals who are working round the clock at the moment to make sure those staff that have been furloughed during the crisis are getting paid. It's a very, very complex time for payroll professionals. They're working many, many hours. They've kind of been hit with new uh, statutory sickness um, payment terms and legislation, furlough calculations which have come in. And of course, it's year-end time at the moment as well in April. So really, really pressured time for payroll professionals. Tell us a little bit about your work and, and how you've um, you know, developed your profession today to, to work with the kind of professionals that will be listening to this podcast.
0: Absolutely. So, uh, hello, Nick. Thanks for having me on today. Uh, It's an absolute honor to come on and speak with professionals. It's who I work with. Um, I mainly work with um, just private uh, professionals on a one to one basis, but I also work with employees in business. So, I understand the pressures and stresses of um, the challenges we face at at work and in our career on a daily basis, um, along with all the ones that you've just outlined. Um, So, there's two main reasons why I myself work with professionals. Um, So the first one is, it comes back to my own journey really um, at the time of my own breakdown. Um, So there is um, a wider story on on my website that goes into my own mental breakdown, which was about 10 years ago. Um, And at that time, I myself was a professional working in a corporate environment in the corporate world. Um, And when I was struggling with the everyday stresses, um, along with some trauma that I was going through at the time, the only suggestion that was made to me was counseling. Um, And although counseling is an amazing tool, it did take me Um, around two years to reach out um, which is a long time to be suffering with mental health issues Um, and as a result I ended up um, in counselling for four years but after six months of counselling I craved something that was a lot more forward thinking and solution focused Um, and there wasn't that alternative out there not one that I was aware of anyway at the time And years later, I discovered coaching and the world of coaching, um, which is much more forward-thinking and solution-focused. So I realized that although CEOs and business owners and and high-level management tend to be aware of coaching um, and the benefits of it, uh, many everyday professionals knew very little about coaching and the benefits. Um, And where I ended up in counseling for four years, in hindsight, a coach would have been ideal for me, probably around six months after the, the counseling, um, and it would have served me better. Um, and my second reason, um, I guess, is that when my mental health issues um, came about, they affected absolutely everything. So prior to my breakdown, I had a career, I was a hard worker, I was motivated, it's quite driven to achieve um, but as a result of my breakdown, I was unable to cope and I left my job, which meant I lost my career. Um, and so now I serve those everyday professionals because everyone deserves exceptional happiness. And a lot of my work is around helping professionals to reignite and prioritize their happiness. Um, you know, we don't need to be, have exceptional job roles and be huge business owners and big CEOs to be able to deserve um, exceptional happiness.
2: Yeah, I think that's fantastically put I'm a huge advocate for the kind of work that you do as well and for those that are listening to this some may and some may not be familiar but I myself had a Maybe not quite as profound as, as your breakdown, but I had a, a, some counseling myself for nearly a year, about 10 years ago, when I had some traumatic issues that I dealt with myself. And my wife, as well, has also um, had experienced both counseling and job, professional job coaching, which has helped with some anxieties that she was suffering through work related uh, activities. So it's something that speaks really closely to my heart. I think it's, um, you know, there are sometimes stigmas related to things like counseling and coaching. And I think we need to remove those because. For those that embrace it, there is so much beautiful, energizing kind of work that can come out of it that you find from inside. It's it's, it's amazing. And that's something I'd really like to sort of bring out of yourself, Jazz, with your expertise, for those listening to it who have... Either experienced previous traumatic times, perhaps not COVID-related at all, or perhaps right now are struggling with motivation at work due to the crisis, due to you know uh, anxieties they may have about their family, about their financial positions, or whatever it might be. How would you recommend people listening to this stay motivated to keep pushing forward during the more difficult times?
0: Absolutely, that's a, a really good question, Nick. Um, motivation quite can be quite frugal at times, um, and I guess. For me, I think that the strongest way to stay motivated um, and to stay connected is with what the cause is, It is essentially that um, to ensure that you know your why is always, always the biggest, biggest driver. It's important to point out, I think, for me to say here that, you know, um I'm not unique or exceptionally driven than any other individual. I've had moments in the past where I've struggled to to remain motivated especially when you're going through hard times. Um a mindset will come into it and I'm sure we'll talk about that in a bit but you know I've managed to to redesign my life and my career into one that serves me without being anything exceptional into one where you know happiness is now prioritized and I think As I said, my first tip is always to stay connected to your why. Um, So whenever we're creating a change, whenever we're trying to achieve a task, it's really uh, good practice um, to grab a pen and paper um, and list out your reasons as to why you're trying to achieve either the task at hand or create the change that you're trying to create at that given moment in time. Um, And pen to paper, I think, is really underestimated. Um, It's it's a powerful way um, and engages the brain much more actively than just thoughts about, oh, I must do that, or I must do that, or I must achieve that. Um, So staying connected to your why is I think the biggest way to remain motivated. The second one I would say is to have some form of strategy. Now, this um, might mean breaking either, if it's a goal, uh, breaking it down into smaller steps. So you have a clear process and you can actually see the small steps that you're achieving. So it builds momentum um, and your brain recognizes that you are moving forward, which then allows you to take the next step and the next step. Um, But the key is always to plan. It always minimizes procrastination as well. Uh, for example, at the end of every day, I, I check in with the plan for the following day. Um, every Sunday, I'll check in with the plan for the following week. It means I'm utilizing my time better. And it means that my goals are much, much more achievable by breaking them down into to smaller steps. And then the third one, which uh, I would, I think is super important too, is resilience. So this is where my self-care routine comes into place. And I think self-care routine for any professional is, is key. Um, The challenges um, we often face um, come in peaks and troughs, um, but we can navigate through these much more effectively if we remain open and adaptable. Um, And resilience comes into this. And for me, resilience is built up through my um, self-care routine. So personally, for me, that might involve meditation, it might involve exercise, it might involve um, regular breaks out in nature and going for a walk. But yes, self-care, I think, is, is crucial when it comes to building resilience.
2: Let me just build that a little bit Then I think I'm listening to and putting myself into to the context of your answer to see how I react to some of these things. I think in terms of planning, I'm really, really good at planning my work side of my life. Everything is planned to the degree. I don't forget anything. I'm organized. But the minute I come away from work, my wife will tell you that I'm the most forgetful, disorganized person ever. And she can't understand <laughs> why I'm so different in my professional life to my personal life. And she obviously is seeing that now when I'm working from home in this current situation. She's got, oh my God, why aren't you like this? outside of work but as soon as i finish work i'm so exhausted my my mind just wants to switch off and i really struggle to stay organized in my personal life and obviously that has ramifications which aren't always positive so that's something i'd love to work on i think i'm very resilient i think in recruitment you have to be in payroll you certainly have to be so i think that's a quality that i personally have but i'd be really interested to know how how you would plan then that self care routine you'd be mentioning? Can you break that down a little bit more uh, so that I can understand how you would go about that? Because I you know I do things like exercise, but it's sporadic. I'll find a moment and I'll go for a run, but I don't plan it necessarily. And with children at home running around your ankles and and new ways of working, we're all experiencing at the moment with this new work from home routine. I'm finding planning that personal side probably harder than ever. So do you have any sort of advice you could give me and, and anyone else that maybe is, is if, I guess, feeling the same way I am at the moment, how you could help them as well for listening to this?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So um, the, essentially it comes down to, to the way our brain works. So um, the way the brain works is it will um, move uh, towards pleasure much more willingly than moving um, away from pain which is why incentives are really good and knowing what um, the gain is at all times so um, with exercise you say you do it but you do it sporadically Um, so that's uh, more than likely because you know you kind of you know you should do it but actually you're not focusing on or you may not be focusing on um, the actual thing that we're going to gain the pleasure that it's going to give us. Um, and that's why,
2: which is the why you mentioned earlier.
0: And that's why it's really important to choose an activity that feels good at the time. Yes. You know, exercise, a lot of us don't enjoy exercise, the time doing it, but the reward factor afterwards, um, is where the power lies, and so it's 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 designing a routine that is going to bring you pleasure, and that way you will pick it up much more, much more frequently. Also, the brain likes what's familiar and doesn't like what's unfamiliar, and that means that if we've got bad habits that are serving us, or we are not adopting um, habits that do serve us, it's going to try and hang on to those. Um, but the, the good thing is that our brain is neuroplastic, so it can change, it can mold, it can evolve, it can create habits, it can drop habits. But the key is to start making the things that we want to achieve in our daily lives and our daily habits familiar to the brain, which means the first momentum buildup is probably going to be the hardest. But once it becomes part of our routine and once we've done it on a regular basis, your brain will stop pushing against that um, more often than before. In terms of actual tips, working from home. So I've got my I've got a son, but he's thirteen. So um, I know a lot of pe- uh, parents that are working from home are currently struggling with with little toddlers running around. And I think the key is um, to just not be too hard on yourself. And um, routine um, is always a good way. But I, for myself, I've been working from home since I set up the business about two years ago, uh, full time. Uh, it's been just over a year. Um, And there are small things that we can do. So, you know, sticking with the same wake up time and and not snoozing, knowing that you're going to be at home. I have a morning routine that eases me into it, whether that's exercise or yoga that day, whether that's meditation. Coffee is key for me. Um,
2: Me too. Me too.
0: Yeah, but getting dressed and showing up and, you know, no one can see me at the moment, but I tend to wear a face full of makeup that goes on every morning, I get dressed every morning, and I'm ready to work every single day, Monday to Friday by 9am. That's that's my morning routine, clearly separated from my working day. Um, my working day has a nine o'clock beginning time and it has a varying end time because I work with clients remotely on Zoom. So some of them will be with me in the evenings if they've got full time jobs. And with my son, I include him in my exercise. So we're going out while we're in this um Crazy time. Um, we are going out for evening walks every day, so I'm getting him out of the house. I set him a timetable the night before so he's getting the necessary work done. Um, I'm much more relaxed and I've done a bit of research into screen time and what the psychologists are currently recommending or the child psychologists. And a lot of them are saying relax around screen time, um providing that the children are getting their exercise and we, you know, I am managing to drag him out every single day um but it's important to not be too hard on ourselves um and i did spend about 2 weeks where i just stripped it back if it's a new routine and i've now got my husband and my son working from home it's allowing yourself time to at least become aware of what's working what's not working um but time is key there because i think i spoke to a lot of my clients actually at the time that were struggling um you know they'd lost their momentum routines everything out of the window Um, And it was a case of even me giving myself two weeks to just work out how we're going to make this new new way work for all of us. And yeah, keeping what, what works and letting go of
2: what doesn't. So I think you've touched upon something that I'm probably struggling with at the minute. And I mentioned this because, you know, I work in the payroll world. I'm not a payroll professional, I'm a payroll recruiter, but, you know, I know how hard they work and I'm sure there'll be some that resonate with this is I'm struggling to break from the routine. So why my personal biggest anxiety is is at the moment actually isn't professionally related it's more child related in the sense that I'm now working from home so my children know I'm home all the time and I will be for the foreseeable future until the, the you know the bans are lifted. But my routine means I go out of the house into an outside office, which is a small kind of shed like building, which I'm in at the minute. I go out in the morning and I don't come back until it's their bedtime. And I get really anxious that they feel I'm just ignoring them because I'm home more, which gets them excited. But I probably see them less or no more than I used to. And that builds on my anxiety because I'm trying to maintain the routine of professional work, making sure that the work I have to do is done but I know that I'm home, and therefore, you know, you see these constant, and I know social media can be a, a, a good thing and a bad thing. You see all these posts of the people working from home, spending this great time with their children. I feel like I'm locked away. You know, if I'm a payroll professional, I'm locked away processing payrolls. If I'm a recruiter, I'm locked away doing my recruitment work. And actually, I'm not spending that time that everyone is projecting that they are with their children, which kind of builds on that anxiety. So, how, what would be your recommendations for, for that particular situation?
0: Oh, I absolutely feel your pain there, Nick. So um, I'm, I'm working from home. I have a remote business um, and um, I am Monday to Friday. I'm at home and my son's at home and I actually don't have the luxury of, of locking myself away in a, in a shed. So I'm very much using the office, which again, you know, everyone's in and out of. The way I've kind of overcome that is um, I've set an hour in the evening, because we we're allowed to obviously go out for that walk in the evening, that's actually turned into such an amazing experience. So the first couple of days, my son's thirteen, going on eighteen, <laughs> there was that reluctance to to go out for that walk. But um two days, I think three days in, he absolutely loved it because he was getting that one to one time with me, and we don't normally don't normally do that in amongst you know homework and me getting dinner ready and and um, all the other routines that we have pre-corona so that one hour in the afternoon is is or late afternoon beginning of the evening is is amazing but for both me and my son um going out and having that one-to-one time together and then the other one is um my lunch hour now lunch hour is massive and now i'm preparing lunch for myself I'll prepare it for my son and I might prepare it for my partner if he's not in a meeting he's working from home as well Um so now rather than just sitting down in the evening for dinner together I sit down at lunchtime with my son and, and we'll have a conversation we'll have a catch-up and it's really important as well where even though he's 13 I don't think they understand that they are um, unsettled they are they can't really put um, what they're feeling into words so Actually, that hour at lunch is even um, uh, really good because it allows me to have that conversation with him, make sure he's doing OK. If he's bored, we explore what he's going to do for the rest of the afternoon. And, yeah, it kind of gives him that security, I guess, to, that I'm, I'm kind of holding him, even though I'm working separately. I am holding him for the day. Um, and then he looks forward to that afternoon out in the fresh air.
2: Yeah, that's really useful. I'm gonna, I might, be, I'm gonna build that in. Maybe that that exercise yeah. time which for some reason I'd kept as being an individual time doesn't need to be. And Maybe I'll build that in with my daughter and my son to uh, to make that a day to day activity we do together. Because I'm not doing that at the minute. And actually, it's a really simple change so thank you thank you for making that shift i should also add there are perks i mean at the minute my daughter's inside making millionaire shortbreads with my wife which uh, i'll get the benefits of later on while she learns to cook so <laughs> there are perks as well. we've got to look at the positives um something i mentioned um just on the running point you mentioned earlier and i don't think this is a famous quote it's something that someone sent to me but um i'll, I'll read it out because i thought it was quite interesting uh, he just sent me an email saying nick remember the feeling you get from a good run is better than the feeling you get from sitting on your sofa wishing you were running
0: I uh, will say that I exercise. I will say that I um, like to be fit and healthy. Um, I did used to weigh um, quite a few years ago. I was a lot heavier. as was about five stone heavier. So it, even though I will absolutely hold my hands up and say I dislike, you know, um, intense exercise. Um, but to fit it into my day, it's short. Um, I do, you know, kind of half an hour of intense workout but I found something um, I, I liked and I liked doing weights. Um, and so it took me a long time to find something that, that I enjoyed and, and, and that I liked. Um, and I think that's um, really, really important when it comes to, to health and weights and eating better. And we can, it does come with perks. We can plan our meals better um, and we can still have breaks in our day to spend, to spend time with our kids.
2: I think that that ties in nicely to my next question because um and also there are some out there, particularly in the pale community. There's an individual in particular I'm thinking of. If she's listening to this. she will know who I, I'm referring to her. Who <laughs> likes to excise her mind rather than in her you know, body. There she's a really keen painter, and a very talented painter, and that's something that she uses to to, to get away from the you know the, these these uncertain times, if you like, and the stresses that, that comes with it. She she likes to paint, and I think excising the mind can be as important as excising the body. But of the you an expert here, so can you tell me a little bit why mindset is so important right now?
0: yeah so mindset's huge right uh with mindset um it matters in in so many different areas of life and it affects everything we do um the way we behave our attitude our thoughts our feelings our emotions it's it's massive so mindset um comes into it massively especially in challenging times like now so it the actual idea of mindset comes from Dr. Quack Carol Dweck, who, who's a psychologist. And she introduced us to the concept of these two mindsets. So there's fixed mindset and growth mindset. And some of us might have heard these um, banded around. Um, but actually looking at them can be really, really useful. So um, as I said, mindset's essentially about attitudes and beliefs. And, and Dr. Carol Dweck's work um, highlights that The impact that each of these mindsets can have on our achievements and our success, but also our resilience and our way of bouncing back from um, challenging times. And right now, the challenge is um, very much quite high stress for payroll um, with all the areas that you mentioned, but also um, the idea of uncertainty Um, and a fixed mindset is essentially a mindset that believes that our traits and intelligence is inborn, it's fixed, it's it's unchangeable. And that used to be the old school of thought. But Carol Dwick's um, work shows that um, growth mindset means that beliefs and traits um, and intelligence can be developed and it can be changed, um, but it requires commitment and hard work, but that it's not set in stone. And the reason why mindset plays a critical role in how we cope with life's challenges is because Fixed mindset will mean that if we see something as a failure, we are likely to just give up because it's set in stone. Whereas if we adopt the growth mindset um, around it, and there's loads of articles that we can read on on Google, and I would recommend that to to all your listeners around these two different mindsets. But with the growth mindset, if you face a challenge, you won't see it as a failure. You will you will see it as a learning. So even when we work out what's not working, we're still learning something, we're still growing, we're still acquiring new knowledge, even if it's, well, that doesn't work, or that's not serving me, or that doesn't feel right, or, you know, there's a better solution. But whenever we're faced with the challenge of growth mindset, will always make us look for the lesson. And that means that in challenging times, we will continue to improve and continue to look for solutions, rather than see that something's not working and then just put it down as a failure and nothing more. Does that make sense?
2: It does. And I've heard the saying growth through failure in the past, but I never liked the word failure because it's kind of a negative connotation. So I haven't used it, but I've heard that used in some of the things that I've read. Um, How do I spell Carol Dweck? I haven't come across her before.
0: Yeah. So it's Dr. Carol. Carol is C-A-R-O-L and Dweck is D-W-E-C-K. And her... um, these ideas came from an experiment she actually conducted on children and their learning, um, but then she extended that research to go into um, adults and, and the mindsets that we adopt as adults. Um, but some of the facts and findings in her in her work are, are really like um, amazing, and, and it actually outlines how the mindset can have such a big uh, impact on our achievements and our level of success
2: sure I'll, I'll, I'll definitely put a link to her work in the in the episode notes as well yeah. um, so as you said if you recommend her, I'll make sure that other people can access that by uh, going in the episode notes so using that that mindset methodology then from Carol Dweck how do you yourself Jazz put a positive spin on this current situation
0: yeah uh, so the current situation um, it is a coronavirus is an awful illness and Uh, many are suffering many are suffering with the illness many are suffering losing lost ones many are suffering with this new way we're working um financial and job difficulties So i don't want to kind of diminish or um take away from everything that a lot of people are going through Um, but i am i am also able to to find positives um I did write an article up actually, um, and it's a, a blog on my website. But a, a key quote that always comes to my mind, if I if I may share it with you, Nick, is it's by um, Sadhguru, and uh, he's he's got a very different way of thinking of things. And Sadhguru, just for the sake of your listeners, his work it will bring quite a relaxed peace peacefulness. Um, um, and it's spelled S-A-D-H-G-U-R-U. But he's got this really famous quote, and it's it's actually stuck with me from years ago. And he says, you cannot suffer your past or failure because they do not exist. What you are suffering is your memories and your imagination. So in times of uncertainty where we're suffering anxiety, um, it's usually because we're worrying about something that may happen in the future. Um, and what this quote for me summarizes is the power of the present. And many of us may have heard that, but this kind of brings it to the forefront. So, you know, if we're suffering with depression, that's usually caused by painful memories from the past. If we're suffering with anxiety, that's usually caused by worry about the future. Um, so, the present moment is kind of all we have, especially when every single day we're waking up and things are changing on a daily basis, right? And even with with payroll professionals, they're going to. There's so many changes that are happening so quickly at the moment, um, so we're at this heightened level of response. And so the only moment that we, or the most likely moment that we're going to find peace is in the present moment. Um, and this new way of working and this new world at the moment, the new norm that's evolving where things are changing, we're almost being forced to live in the present. And so that does mean, you know, we're getting um, more time with our loved ones. Although I appreciate that a lot of us are working, including myself. My time isn't now spent all my evenings with the wider circle in my life of people and friends. It's very much honed in on the people that are in my life that I'm with and that I'm isolating with at this moment in time. I'm also finding that I've lost interest in the things I normally loved to wind down with, um, whether that's TV um, or watching something completely um addictive on Netflix um I'm you know there's the time now where I'm getting a chance to plan and do the things that I didn't so the books that I never got around to reading the podcasts I never got a time to to listen to including yours um I'm writing painting all these things that I've always wanted to do and never had time for I'm now spending my I'm more conscious of my evening time um and spending it doing the things that I love um, and then there's the the whole idea of feeling so lifted by how our country and our key workers are all coming together. And I think kindness and hope have massively been pushed to the forefront and are key drivers in how we're responding to this. Um, and then I would say that the final thing I guess I've done is... Um, a lot of people went on next door I don't know if you know if you're aware of that platform but I'm not on any social media so I'm not on Facebook I'm not on Instagram I'm not on uh, Twitter I am only on LinkedIn and um, so my world is quite small anyway but it's allowed me to put a post up to, to help neighbors that are Uh, in quarantine or elderly neighbors on my street and I've been out doing bits knocking on their doors sometimes being the only person that they're speaking to through the window Um, and so that can lift you that can make you feel better and giving um, actually is scientifically recorded to give us um, more pleasure and more happy hormones than just doing something for ourselves so Sometimes when and and I did this in my own healing journey, I've I've done loads of voluntary work. So I did uh, about four years with Hertfordshire Society for the Deaf and Blind. I've been a Samaritans volunteer, as a listening uh, volunteer for the suicide helpline, um, and 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 that's because it, you know I could have done it. You could say it's for selfish reasons, but the the feeling of giving in times like this is hugely uplifting, and you you almost feel like where. We can't control everything around us. We can focus on the things we can control and focus on the things we can give back. And that's a really good way of navigating through this.
2: I, I absolutely love that i think um and i, and I totally um agree as well i think the, the, the way that we've pulled together as a nation as a community you know with the healthcare workers as you mentioned but also more siloed sectors like the payroll sector i mean the payroll community is really really coming together at the minute they're all helping each other there's no ego there's people that i could easily name here um on this podcast that have really put themselves above the pit to help others for for no financial benefit except for just helping other people, and it's been a fantastic thing to witness. And you know, in terms of recruitment, and let's be honest, as much as I hate to say it, my sector is relatively quiet at the moment. If recruitment doesn't tend to be, you know, top of companies' minds at the moment, and um, so instead, we're, we're putting our attention into trying to bring those communities together, and it's been a really um, as you say uh, well in terms of making you feel good and and getting positives out of it it's been a really nice exercise and something that I'm really enjoying Um for you know it's not a financial return benefit it's just bringing people together to help and that's been really good. Uh, my daughter as well she's, she's only 10 years old but she's been drawing portraits for people for five pounds which she's donated to the NHS and she's raised 450 pounds this week uh, doing uh, sort of anime style portraits so I'll do a little plug for her but she's um you know there are some feel good stories, and it's I think it's there is lots of positives to take. I think the other one that I've noticed, which is kind of ironic, um, is during this isolation, I feel like the nation's found a love for nature again. You know, people are now going out, and rather than walking on their iPhones and, and you know head down texting whilst walking, people are actually looking at what's around them, enjoying nature that's around them, and, and the people are desperate to you know, utilise that hour to the best, you know, the best way possible, which is really enjoying the colours and the nature and the experience, which I don't think we really did before. It was so head down um, and so rushed. It was almost a chore, whereas now people are really looking forward to it. Yeah, it's, you
0: know, we're almost like a strip, it's almost a a stripped back version, but... But yeah, it's, you know, uh, the natural things that the world provides us is kind of what we're left with at the moment. And to find that kind of joy in in those moments um, and coming together and joining with And as you've said, you know, you've still got payroll staff. So, you know, I mentioned key workers. They are absolutely key workers. You know, people are suffering with financial difficulties. People are feeling uncertain about their finances, you know, and and your listeners are, are, uh are absolutely helping the, um others navigate through that um in the best way they possibly can. So you know I would add, there are key workers I, I don't think is is confined to just like you say the NHS is there's it's huge and actually it's now coming to light, you know, all these different professions that keep our
2: country ticking and our world ticking. So that we can all get through this together. Absolutely, absolutely agree with you. And the payroll profession is definitely one of those that have kept the UK paid in what is a time where, if we talk about mental health, which I thought it probably make sense to move on to, you know, we all know that financial well-being has a huge impact on mental health, and the, 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 to make sure that the UK continues to get paid is a, as, is a great way to help reduce the impact of the financial concerns that people are experiencing. So that's where the payroll profession really is playing an absolutely critical role is making sure those furlough calculations are correct, that people's payroll calculations are correct so that they are worrying less about the finances at the end of the month.
1: Have you ever asked yourself, how can I recruit payroll staff effectively? Please don't give up on your recruitment project just yet. Here at JGA Payroll Recruitment, we appreciate the difficulties associated with attracting, recruiting and retaining top payroll talent. We also understand just how costly a poor payroll hire can be. JGA Recruitment are a niche payroll recruitment agency who will partner with you to resource payroll candidates who will improve both the accuracy and efficiency of your payroll department. Contact us today on 01727 800 377 or visit jgarecruitment.com to
2: find out more. If we talk about mental health for a moment, um, is there any advice specifically you would give to help minimise the impact of isolation? And I guess, what recommendations would you give for, for payroll professionals or, and others, of course, sort of helping to manage their mental health during this outbreak? And I read something that, for example, for those working at home, they shouldn't be working in their bedroom, for example. And Are, are there other things that are perhaps greater than that that you can sort of bring into the, to the conversation about managing mental health?
0: Yeah, so um, I think I touched a little bit on these. But yeah, so there's, you know, my, I don't, I'll kind of share what I do. So uh, there's a there's a very clear, you know, um, my bedroom is for sleeping, my living room is for watching TV, and my office is for working. When you separate and cut. And create these very separate moments and areas of space, your brain will switch mode much more easily so that when you're in your office, it will hone in and get used to the fact that in this room, it's about focus, it's about concentration. Um, I would absolutely encourage um, payroll staff and your listeners um, that are highly stressed to take these regular breaks and see what works for them. You know, it's easy to sit back and say, take a break every hour or take five minutes every 40 minutes. Um, I actually think it's good to try and test it because every person is an individual and every person's brain will respond completely differently. So what actually comes into play now is, is this awareness, this self-awareness about what feels good and what doesn't feel good. You know, your eating times, your, your break times um, all of that, but absolutely you need to um, step away. And when I say step away or take a break, I wouldn't encourage. I would discourage. I I should say. I would discourage of if you say you're working on your computer and then you think, "Oh, I'm going to take a break," and then you start going on the internet and looking at other things. Your brain's not going to have that break because it's still sitting where it was. It's still looking at what it was looking, and your posture and your body um, hasn't had that break. So I would encourage each break to be getting up from your computer or wherever it is that you're working walking into a separate room, might be five minutes in your garden, um, but create those clear, absolute divides between work and break time. Um, And if you have got other people um, around, as I said, you know, lunchtime is a great way of catching up with people that are working from home in your home um, or your children in that time. Um, uh, Other than that, I think I've addressed the... Get up, set your set your start time, set your off time and stick with those routines every single day. It will become easier um, because it becomes much more familiar to the brain. so it starts working. It's just the first few days or the first maybe two weeks where it you know it, it still might feel a little bit uneasy. Um, but the brain just takes practice. it's a muscle that requires training and it's, it does grab uh, grab onto new habits quite quickly. We just need to do them consistently.
2: Sure. No, that's great advice. Um, something I'd like to ask, you mentioned um, you know having a nice sleep environment. It's something that I, I've personally um, suffered from insomnia for nearly 15 years. Um, I used to have my own sleep website, so I've got a little bit of experience in the, the, the science behind sleep. Um, but obviously, as a life coach for yourself, at the minute, there's going to be a lot of anxieties on people's minds, and anxieties are often the, the first cause of potentially long-term insomnia issues that could come later, because eventually that anxiety might subside, but the, the you know the worry of not sleeping actually takes over, and it causes a new problem altogether. So I know that for people at the minute sleep is a really important part of people's lives. They feel energized when they get good sleep, and it's able to compartmentalize all the worries they have. If you like, when they get to get a good night's sleep, are there any tips you could give for? people that are worried about sleep at the minute they, are, they have got anxieties on their mind and they're listening to this going that's all well and good but actually I can do all those things I can take my breaks I can take my walks but when it comes to put my head on the pillow I just can't get to sleep or I'm having intermittent sleep what advice would you give for helping I guess it's a two-part question helping managing those anxieties number one and be then managing them enough to, to improve their sleep quality
0: Okay so um I've actually been through this myself um so when obviously I was going through my own challenges and my career was kind of not I didn't fit anywhere I was quite detached from the world my my mental health issues were quite extensive and quite deep rooted um so I'll absolutely share what the two things that I did to remedy those um that worked for me so the first one was journaling journaling um you know i mean to get into it sometimes you know our brain's very visual so you know i did go out i bought this very nice book it was kind of going to incentivize me and i was going to look forward to writing into it every evening and it was for that reason you know i would go to bed thinking about the future or thinking about the past it was a real struggle to be be present um and i couldn't find that point so What I did instead was I journaled and all these worries and all my thoughts um, pen to paper. Again, you're processing these thoughts. So you're almost leaning into them. If we try and shut them out, I would say, and, and I'm, I'm not a psychologist, but for me personally, through personal experience, what I found is if I actually openly acknowledge how I'm feeling and write it down with pen to paper, my brain responds, processes it a lot better. Um, and also, um, looking back on it, you might find the next day that you're journaling something completely different. So it's, it's quite... A wake up call when you look back and and you realise, well, actually, this is just gonna this will pass, or it might be that it's an, a reoccurring thing. But then you're journaling it, you're releasing it, you're processing it, and that pen to paper means that your brain is engaging with those thoughts. So you're almost leaning into them rather than shutting them down. And I think shutting them down can cause its own problems, which is why I ended up where I did ten years ago. Um, so. You know, journaling is a really good way of getting something out of your mind onto paper and it's a form of release. The other thing is um, with anxiety. So I've had, you know, at the other end of it, the, the hard end of it was daily panic attacks and things like that. So to manage that, um, I did meditation. I don't do meditation in the evenings anymore um, because I don't feel like I need it. I just do it in the morning. But there are so many useful meditations on YouTube. Um What I would say is there are apps out there um, like Headspace and things like that, but what they, some of them will, you know, pick up, you'll pick up a different meditation every day or anything that feels good. What's worked for me in particular is finding one and sticking with it Um, because your brain will eventually fire up different neural pathways, but it needs to listen to the same thing over and over and over and over again for it to fully feel that relaxed state that you we all strive for before we go to sleep. Um, and so for me, I would say over and above anything else that's worked for me is the journaling to release and then the meditation to bring me a sense of calm. Um, I Meditation hasn't naturally come to me. It's something I struggled with right at the beginning. Um, and what I found was that with meditation my mind wandered a lot there were a lot of thoughts that I you know I found it counter counterproductive so what I actually found more useful was guided meditation when you have a voice over the meditation and I tune into the voice and it keeps me focused on the voice so again try and test different kinds of meditation some people don't like having a dialogue um or a voice on top of their meditation, they they feel quite peaceful in that stillness with just a bit of music or just no sound. But for me, in order to not get so caught up in my thoughts at the time, I tend to respond much better to guided meditation and having a voice to follow on over the top of the meditation.
2: Yeah, I think that's, that's really useful advice. And actually, I struggle with meditation as well. But guided meditation is something that's worked for me. So I can definitely um, attest to that. There is some um, some people are struggling. You know, in my experience, so I'm obviously not haven't mastered it yet because I'm, st- I'm still um suffer from from insomnia from times but it's it's much better now but some of the things that work for me which which may help people if they're listening um if it's not guided meditation then there's um specific sleep music you can download from you know amazon or whatever it is utilized to get your music but there's music called binaural music which is quite specific um lee helps sort of tune in to the mind to help your, your waves sort of settle for sleep so look up binaural music might be really useful a um, couple of things that have helped me if people are interested, if you are stressed, is I, I'm a huge coffee fan, but I don't take caffeine after two o'clock. Um, I don't do any hard exercise two hours before bed. I think that's quite useful. Um, and I think going back to the anxiety piece, the one thing that's really helped me, and I've been suffering for this for probably over 15 years now, is the worst thing I can do is worry about not sleeping. So I'll go to bed. If I can't get to sleep, I'll, it'll worry me what happens if I can't sleep tonight. If, you, if I can be able to flip it to say it's only one night, it's just one night. You know, if, you know if, as soon as I'm able to flip that in my mind, I tend to fall asleep. If I'm able to win that battle and I can't always win it, if I can convince myself it's just one night, it'll be fine. Um, I tend to fall asleep. But if I sit the whole night worrying about not sleeping, that's almost a bigger anxiety. So I want to try and take that, that sort of anxiety off the table by flipping that over. Um, And there are some core things we can do as well, um, which are more uh, physical, which are things like a hot bath, which raises the core body temperature. If you have a hot bath before bed and then get into a cold bed, the the quicker that core body temperature drops, the quicker your body will release melatonin, which encourages sleep. Uh, A shower doesn't work because it doesn't actually raise the core body temperature. So it needs to be a bath. But if you are really worried uh, about sleeping then actually having a hot bath immediately before bed and then getting into a cold bedroom, and um, the quicker that body temperature drops the quicker hopefully your body will respond with the hormones in the brain like melatonin and serotonin which will help encourage sleep so a couple of tips for me as a genuine insomnia sufferer they may help um, but certainly the anxiety um, areas you've mentioned like journaling which is something I don't do so I'm going to add that to my list um, and, the, and the other aspects you've mentioned I think are really really helpful for those that are worrying.
0: Can I just add to that as well Nick like with them um, without with our, with our... brain and the way it responds and some of the things you've said there are fantastic actually um but you know when you've you've mentioned about the bath again with with the bath you've got the chemical reaction that's happening in your body but also if you do certain things before you go to bed um your brain will almost start winding down in anticipation for bed so you know there might be certain things like we might um it might be a bath, it might be um moisturizing, it might be taking a shower, it might be, but having a clear routine um before you wind down to bed every single step you take, your brain will very quickly learn that ah oh, you know I'm starting to this is the bedtime routine, I'm starting to wind down to bed, and you know it doesn't take long before your Brain starts to recognise these are signals for bedtime, these are signals for wake up, these are signals for working. But you just need to um, kind of keep that routine going so that your brain knows what it, is, it anticipates what's coming, and then it's a lot more cooperative.
2: Absolutely agree. I think a sleep sleep routine is is really if you're struggling is a really really important thing to adopt and to generate and call it a sleep a sleep routine i think is really really important i think also some of the anxieties relate to to more on the subject because something i've got some experience in is um you know the idea that we all need eight hours sleep and that's really related to how many sleep cycles we get because the average sleep cycle will allow us to have more if we average eight hours but it doesn't necessarily mean that you individually need eight hours so if you if you've got that as an anxiety in your head oh my god i've only had seven hours you know, sometimes you're telling yourself you've had, it doesn't necessarily mean your body needed eight. Um, So sometimes for a lot of people, actually moving your alarm clock earlier by 15 minutes can make you feel a lot more rejuvenated when you wake up than actually making it later because it very much depends on which sleep cycle you're being um, awoken from so if you are someone listening to this and every morning you are hitting that snooze busting because you just cannot get out of bed because you're tired it could just be that you've gone back into a more deeper sleep cycle and you're waking up at the worst possible time and actually setting it slightly earlier before you go into that stage might be more beneficial and you're, when you wake up in the right sleep cycle I can tell you you feel like you can Take on the world instantly. If you if you if you're in that you know really light sleep state, it's the best time to wake up. So it's well worth playing with your alarm clock and just moving it back or forward by fifteen minute increments until you find that right time. And you'll know when you find it because it's for me. It's quite transformational. Mm, yeah, great tip there. So uh, last thing, and you've mentioned also that you've um, had some experience working on suicidal uh, voluntary work, and I I don't want to avoid this subject because. As we go further into this, I know, and we all know, that some anxieties, no matter how much we try and manage them, are going to manifest, they're going to get bigger, they're going to get greater. And we know with when it comes to things like financial management and sort of managing budgets through what is a particularly difficult crisis at the moment, where we, none of us have a crystal ball, we're trying to predict the end to it, but we don't know where it is. For those that are finding themselves in a bit of a spiral, be it because of financial concerns, be it because of the stress at work, and they do find themselves in that situation where they are really at the end of a precipice and they don't know what to do, and maybe they're having suicidal thoughts or they're having certainly very dangerous thoughts, what would be your advice to those people listening to it now going, I don't know where to turn, I don't know what to do. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's all become too much. I, I don't have experience in this area, but I know that you do. I'd love to know if there is someone listening to this, maybe a couple of weeks down the line and they're at that that place now, what would you say to them? What, what could you advise?
0: absolutely talk to someone um over and above anything else I, I can't encourage it enough it took me two years um before I did and it, by that time I was um at the worst case suicidal uh, which is why it was such a privilege to be able to be a volunteer for the the Samaritans uh, we can have uh, these, you know, sometimes they can catch us off guard. I never in a million years thought that I would end up, um, you know, um, that bad. Uh, if I had, you know, I would have addressed it a lot sooner. So I think if you see the triggers beforehand, talk to someone. And, and actually, you know, I always offer a, an initial free call for, for anyone that wants to to talk um, and need a bit of support or to get something off the chest especially at in, in this moment in time there are so many places out there and so many people so many coaches so many counselors that are actually offering their time for free if you don't want to speak to a loved one or family member um and if you do want to reach out and um, you know i'm sure your loved ones or family members would love for you to speak to them when you're struggling or you're having um these thoughts um and Yeah, that's that would be the biggest one for me. I would say absolutely don't don't avoid it. Talk about it openly with someone you trust. And sometimes the person you feel more willingly to do that or to trust is someone who isn't in your family and isn't a loved one. And that was certainly the case for me. Um, I didn't have the best experience, so I eventually, after two years, did go succumb and went to my doctor and was referred to a counsellor on the NHS. And after two years. I met her and, and I was like anticipating that, oh my god, I've finally taken the step and everything's gonna be fixed. Um and I went and spoke to this counsellor and it wasn't pretty. There was tears and snot everywhere, and it's two two years worth of bent up pain, um, which actually related to a lot more from my 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 past. Um and she turned around and said she couldn't help me and at that point, I was like, "Oh my God, even a professional can't help me and, and i and that's when I hit rock bottom. It was like suicidal thoughts um but thankfully, I did find um a counselor that uh I could speak to, talk to privately um and i I used that probably a lot longer than I anticipated where I've said I was in counseling for four years, and maybe I shouldn't have been in it for that long um but I also Lean, I did very much lean on people I trusted within my own circle and within my very very inner circle of, of trusted
2: people and friends I, th- I think also for those that there's this horrible horrible stigma about counselling and actually by talking if that's going to solve your problem forget the stigma with it because I've been through counselling myself uh, believe it or not for those listening to this because they see me do lots of public videos and be quite extrovert um, I became quite agoraphobic for, for a short period of my life where I didn't want to leave the house. Funny now we're not allowed to in isolation, but I went through it when we were allowed to many years ago. And it's a very weird feeling for someone who, in my in my own position, I'm very extrovert, always have been since being a kid. And I had a traumatic experience that left me agoraphobic and scared to leave the house. And it was only talking to a counsellor, who, as you said, was outside of my immediate network that I felt comfortable talking to that really helped me through. And um you know, it really frustrates me when I hear people worried about, oh, I don't need counselling because of X, Y and Z. There is no, everyone's different. And, you know, if it's if you need to speak to someone to help you through a tough time, then as you say, there are loads of people out there willing to listen. And I will list some of those. Um, I've got the same line, Samaritan support line and others. I will put some links in the episode notes for those that are worried and want to reach out of, of course in addition to jazz's details as well if you want to to take advantage of, of, of jazz very kindly offering a you know a, a free call as well so i'll make sure those those links are in the episode notes
0: absolutely and there's a Nick, there's a lot of support groups out there that um, might be specifically for um payroll staff and and groups out there and and webinars out there and articles out there around mental health but but i think the, the most powerful powerful um thing will be to open up and speak to someone whether that's someone
2: outside of your circle or inside absolutely agree and all i can say here jazz it's probably to a a close i don't want to finish on a on a down note but it's almost the most important note to say there's always help out there there's always someone willing to listen if you are struggling with mental health struggle anxiety you know address it speak to someone you love speak to someone outside of your network speak to jazz if you need to um there is lots of help out there i hope from listening to this podcast you've been able to take away a lot of advice a lot of guidance that jazz is very kindly offered today to help you navigate these choppy waters as we go through the coronavirus situation let's hope that uh you know the whole world comes through this sooner rather than later um, unless you've got any any final words you'd like to add to that jazz
0: now I think we've covered loads. I hope it's been helpful. Thank you so much for, for having me. Um, I've really enjoyed it.
2: No, I've really enjoyed it too. It's been an absolute pleasure and ex- extremely relevant for the for the times we're experiencing. So thank you so much for coming on to this. At relatively short notice, um, are you recommended to me to buy a pale professional who I know and love and have worked with for many years, Linda Pullen, if you're listening. Uh, thank you for the recommendation. Uh, if you want to find out more about Jazz, obviously the links will be in the episode notes. I'll put a link to Jazz's uh, LinkedIn profile, but you can go straight to her website and find out more about Jazz's story as well because she's very open about her own experiences. I know we've touched upon it briefly, During this podcast. If you want to find out more, please go to jazzpit.com and I will put that link in the episode notes as well. So that's all for me today from the Payroll Podcast. Of course, during these times of crisis, you may not be a priority for you, but if you do need support with either an immediate temporary payroll vacancy to help with your furlough calculations or if you need support recruiting a permanent payroll member of staff, then please, please do get in touch with me. We are still working business as usual. We have access to uh, all the full working from home technologies that we need to help you with remote onboarding and video interviewing and things like that. So do get in touch. You can reach me at nick at jjrecruitment.com or give me a call on 07807 094 734. Thanks so much for listening. Please, all of you stay healthy, take care of yourselves and each other. And I'll speak to you all again real soon. Take care. Thank you
1: so much for tuning into the Payroll Podcast with Nick Day of JGA Recruitment. If you need help with a current payroll vacancy, then please get in touch with Nick and his team. All contact details can be found in the episode notes. In the meantime, to make sure you never miss a future episode, please subscribe to the show through any of your favorite podcast channels. Till next time.